You are listening to the TF Cast, a Mankato-based arts and culture podcast where we hear stories of upcoming projects and get to know the people making things happen all across southern Minnesota. This TF Cast was recorded September 9th, 2020. Hello and welcome to another episode of the TF Cast. Today our guest is Dolly Barua, who is a representative of the Remember Me Too movement as well as an organizer of the Sacred Sounds House. Dolly, welcome to the cast. Well, thank you so very much for having me here. Such a great opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. We got Jacob over here as well. Hi. Um, Dolly, would would you uh, just start off right away by telling us a little bit how the Remember Me Too um, hashtag started in Mankato? Um, what were the circumstances that caused it? Thank you so very much for having me once again. Um, I'm an international student and I'm from India. Um, actually, the COVID hit it mostly in April and our school shut down from after, right after the spring break in April. Um, right after the spring break, uh, so many students got laid off, mm-hmm. didn't have job. Um, but you know, we were hoping that the university will come up with some resources for the students and we waited for a month. At the beginning of March, uh, I started giving calls to departments for asking for help or any resources that are available that students can use during the COVID-19 and realized that actually none of them applied to the international students. Um, Because at the time myself, I didn't have a job because I was supposed to be in Hawaii working for uh, Tulsiga Bird at the time, but due to COVID, I could not fly there, and I was jobless, and the university shut down. I did not have a job. First issues happened with myself. I was looking for resources specifically for myself to get help, and then I gave a thought one night thinking like, okay, I am going through all this. What about the other students? I'm sure they are going through the same, and I just made a short post saying that, hey, I plan on meeting with the Dean of Global Education, uh, Annie Dolphman. Uh, plan on uh, asking some questions. Would you? Do you have any issues that you want to share that I you want me to go and speak with her? You won't believe I was bombarded with messages and emails. So many messages, so many emails, and I got bewildered. And uh, I right away asked, like, okay, students have no food, no money in their pocket to pay the bills for the rent, or for the food, or for the utilities. Is there any help? Uh, can you help us? And she stri- right away told me that she cannot help. That's not in her power. So, uh, but maybe she can help a bit with the food. And I waited for uh, waited for her emails, you know, uh, but she never got back to me. Then I realized that, you know, this is something, a bigger issue that nobody is into looking at. Uh, that's how... Um, I contact the community, uh, the churches and all to see how we can gather donors to help students with the food insecurity first. Um, That's how the Remember Me Too um, movement started because uh, during this COVID time, actually we were forgotten. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, it's it's unprecedented. And it, it were a lot of people in the similar situation with you where they had work lined up, but due to classes not being open, it was uh, the opportunity to work was gone. Yes. Um, you should know like over 200 students, mostly international students, work for the dining center. And being the dining center being closed, 
all these 200 students were jobless. Oh, wow. And there were other departments where the students, including myself, got laid off. And the university did not notice at all. So we had to lobby with them really hard to make sure that uh, there are some employment opportunities open up. So that's how the Remember Me Too were available, able to develop 200 uh, on-campus jobs. Uh, that is how the COVID-19 archive in the library came up with. Oh, wow. Um, and there, there was, there's other circumstances that, um, that surround the issue if you're if you're a student you can't just you can't an international student can't just go pick up a job anywhere right it's yes our situation is totally different we just cannot go and simply work in a burger king or you know panera or somewhere it has to be inside on it has to be on campus and that was the only means of our you know survival the money that comes to our pocket is on campus so um did any what, what groups in Mankato ended up reaching out to you? You said you reached out to churches. Who ended up helping you in the end? Um, it was mostly the common people, the community members. And, you know, we worked with the campus cupboard. Uh, that's how we started distributing food. And the donations came from different parts of Minnesota. Uh, people came with checks and, you know, even with groceries. That's how we were able to cover the food insecurity issues. Uh, the university could not help us at all. Uh, didn't even send out a message out to the community saying that, okay, there's a need of food. Uh, can you help? Nothing was, you know, no help came. Uh, just one help came was that the students were not aware that campus cupboard, now we are giving out groceries to the students. So we requested the university to pass the email to the students. So just day before they sent out an email, you won't believe there was over 70 students lined up for food. And then we had limited f uh, food. Uh, we just gave out like in the beginning, we had to give out like one potato, one tomato, you know, like that. But slowly, slowly, the community were aware what the issue was. So then we now we are in a good position to give out. We are giving out groceries twice a week. Wow, that's really great. Ha you have one? Uh, yeah, um, I'm curious if there, uh, if if you know of other instances of this happening and at other schools too. If this is a countrywide thing, or if it's just local here. Yes, the Remember Me Too actually got attention from different universities, university from New York, university from Maryland, uh, Delaware. Uh, so we kind of like a help. Uh, we, did not, we did not only contact organizations from Minnesota, but international organizations like Sewa International, Yuva. Uh, they kind of gave us some resources with housing. So mm. we were able to help cer certain students uh, from different states to some extent. And uh, what we did is that we sent them gift cards, uh, like Walmart gift cards, to get their groceries. Okay. So we did help a uh, certain number of students from different universities. How, how has the university um, gone about, I mean, since the problem happened, I'm, I'm guessing a large part of it was that it just something it had not prepared for. Uh, mm -hmm. And is there any path going forward where they're now looking into how they would deal with such a situation in the future? Um, has, that, has that been any part of the talking? Yes, we are very proud to say, uh, you know, since we really had to like fight hard, uh, 
uh, first time now an emergency grant for the international student have been developed and uh, we have a regular meeting with the provost to discuss these matters and uh, remember me to committee with the mm, uh, provost and other university administrators uh, now the emergency grant will be you know given out to international students every year before we didn't have any kind of this kind of grant mm. that's really important that um, the school sort of contributing because I know they really pride themselves in having a, a, a diverse international community so yes it's important that they it's a good treat point we well. really appreciate the provost that he took the initiative uh, because you know we put a lot of energy the university uh, the state government they all put a lot of energy in recruiting international students mm. but when the difficulty came they should also put more effort in, you know, kind of helping them out. But this COVID situation kind of made them realize that, okay, there has to be some resources on hand to help the students when such unprecedented times comes. Because mm -hmm. there was also, there's no opportunity for you to relocate either. I mean, it's not like these people were able to go home, right? It was, you're unable to travel. Yes. So... You know, students' issues came, uh, like students came to us. Even though they wanted to go home, uh, they were not willing to, they were not being able to fly. One student ended up purchasing flight three time, flight ticket three times and all the flights got canceled and he was stuck with no money, no food and no place to stay. And mm -hmm. that's how we realized that the homelessness was increasing. Mm -hmm. So there were some students who were, where that ended up happening. They, they ended up losing their home and they were you know, staying with friends or on the street. Remember me to develop the survey. Uh, and from the survey, we clearly find out, found out that uh, by end of July, so many students will become homeless. Um, uh, and then we gave the warning because we did together with the university. We went through the university, even though our advisor, Dr. Carol Glasser, she developed the survey, and Dr. Peru, our advisor for the movement to help. Um, but nothing was done. And myself, including myself, I became homeless by July 16th. Um, and then we reached out to the university, requesting them to open the dormitories, which they did not. So we ended up uh, contacting the community to open their rooms to give out to students. And we ended up helping over 50 students. And just to let you know, these are not international students only. Domestic students were homeless too. So we had to help them. Hmm. That's interesting. And I mean, I've seen um, just from your social media presence that other things have been addressed. Uh, there were bicycles. Um, there was some food insecurity in St. Peter or something. Did other groups start reaching out to you? Um, how was that? Or did is it something that, you know, was took upon yourselves? Uh, you mean for asking for help or do, do, do yeah. we need to help? Did you uh, expand the scope or were people reaching out to you for assistance? Yes. Uh, we have students, uh, domestic students uh, living in St. Peter, uh, uh, they asking for help and then we had to house them with some of the professors um, for the for the food later we had to open the the food shelf for even for the community so it's just not the students coming now we have like you know families coming to to get groceries mm. do you do you sense a lot of need still um, from the international students that going forward there's still a lot to be done 
Yes, definitely. We think that the, the you know the shops are open, university opens, and everything mm-hmm. is all good. Uh, but that's not the case. Uh, you know, even though the situation was fine, you know, students, international students specifically, f- face discrimination in mm-hmm. in getting employment or any kind of resources, and. Currently, they're facing more discrimination. For example, if if a uh, company is willing to hire somebody, whom they will hire first? Of, of course, uh, somebody who is a citizen, right? Mm-hmm. Not an international student because they have a lot of paperwork. So they're still facing, you know, j- uh, unemployment. Uh, I wouldn't, uh, homelessness in the sense, not homelessness, but n- not having enough money to pay for their bills. So that's why today that's what we were doing, giving out, uh, remember me to movement started this uh, emergency housing grant. So we were giving out to 30 international students to pay their rent. And uh, how much money was awarded? Um, uh, 200 uh, for two months, 400 total to 30 students. Wow. And that was, uh, that was a grant through the university or through the state? No, it's a remember me to we went to community and that's how oh. we gathered the fund. Oh, it was fun so this raised. isn't the this isn't the grant you were talking about earlier. No, the emergency grant that we developed, uh, it was like over hundred thousand uh, dollars, and three over three hundred international students were given that grant. But the that grant was the students was not being able to use for paying their rent or uh, food or other things. It was specifically for covering their university expense. Oh, interesting. You must know that as an international student, you must pay your tuition and you must be enrolled. And if you're not enrolled, uh, you have the chance of being deported uh, because you became an illegal status. And that was a big concern we had that hit hard in August. Uh, We, as an international student, we have to pay a one-time payment of health insurance in the middle of... Uh, in the middle, sorry, in the middle of July, mm. that's of eighteen hundred and one thousand eight hundred and one dollars. Student didn't even have a twenty dollars in their pocket. Now they're figuring out how they will pay this eighteen one thousand eight hundred and one dollar fee, one-time fee. So we had to lobby with the Senate um, to make it into a two-time payment. So finally, mm. they decided to they split it, and one time we paid in the end of August, and the next we need to pay end of December. Uh, still, you know, I, as many people, I had to like borrow money, and some, uh, you know, uh, people helped me pay, but there are some other students actually had to leave. They went back home. Mm. Even mm. Uh, I would, I, I will not take the name, but we have even some committee members from the Remember Me Too active leaders. They had to even go back home because they couldn't pay even that half amount. So that was after the travel bans had been res- lifted. Yes. Um, so that has ha- there hasn't been. Um, I shouldn't say there hasn't been. Has there been any um, instances of people losing their status to be here? Um, has it changed anyone's? Uh, Yes. Immigration status. Yeah, because uh, they're not being able, they did not pay uh, their tuition fees and they did not register. So if you don't register for a class, then you are not in the status of a student. Mm. Then you cannot stay in the country. Mm. So the before that, also facing that uh, risk, you know, the students got scared because they don't want to go through deportation. Mm. And whenever when the gate opened that they could fly, they just left, you know. Wow. Mm. That's really hard to hear that, that that's happening yeah. here. 
Um, did did that um would that be a far, an additional financial hardship? I mean, if you if you if you have to leave on top of that, um, is that like kind of I don't want to say like ditching your education, but like if you if you have to leave because you're unsure of your immigration status, does that change how the university views you on coming back or um, how is that for a student? Yes, like in order to come back, if you have a valid visa, um, yeah, you can come back. But the problem here is that you, this is a like administrator that we are under. You know, they change rules so fast. That is one fear. The second is that the student go back, and uh, if their visa is not valid, again they have to show. Uh, this bank balance, all the documentation. It's not like you can just uh, apply for visa and come. A student have to show that they have $28,000 in their bank account in order to get the uh, admission again back to the university. And during this COVID time, it is not just the students here staying are facing difficulties. Even their families back home due to lockdown, they are facing great financial difficulties. So... Yeah, uh, big issue. Like students who went back, it's kind of really hard for them to come back again to complete their education. And some of them, I guess, they have lost lost their hope uh, because they had to decide whether they will survive here or continue their education or get deported. So you know, all kind of things they had to go through. It's a big, challenging decisions that uh, a lot of people and families are having to make. Yes. Um, can are a lot of the international students from um, wealthier families in their home countries or is were there a big variety of that too it's a variety uh, this is a misconception people have that somebody coming to u.s especially this developed country mm-hmm. the family must be well to do you know like have finance but you know actually you must know that they sell their property and all to see their children getting that american mm-hmm. dream education so it's. I wouldn't say that these all they all the students that are coming here. They're from a you know very rich Not family. Yeah. Uh, yes, and uh, and that's why they come here and you know try to work as many hours they can get in the university, pay their bills, and do their education. Um, and uh, but you know we can we could not make an argument like don't think that we are uh, we are rich and we don't we have money. Mm. We couldn't make the argument before because you know the the the. Um, the country before entering here the university um, asks you to sign a documentation saying that you are responsible for your finance mm. uh, you are going to pay your bills um, we are not helping you because as international students we cannot get state resources mm. okay we have limitation on that but what we requested is that do, because of the COVID-19 the situation changed the yeah. whole world was suffering and, uh, you know, our families back home are going through same difficulties. So we were not we were not being able to depend on them to get some resources. So that's why during just the COVID time, we reached out uh, to get some help from the government and the university. But, you know, they kind of like a shut their door on us mm-hmm. and we had to really fight the whole summer to, you know, provide food, uh, provide housing, you know, some job. Because you you didn't in any way qualify for some of the other um, aid that was given to citizens here then either. Yeah, like the CARE grant that was developed. That thing is not applicable for international Mm. students. So there was no uh, grant available. 
mm. for students to use other than some education scholarship that you get once a year a limited number so there was no resources so like for COVID-19 like okay where do I go can I go there for housing they didn't have any the students didn't have any resource like if I don't have money to pay rent if I'm kicked out of the apartment where do I go there was nothing on place so that's why the homelessness increased by end of July and mm. within two days we had to uh, house over 25 students within those two days like no, those were evictions evictions yes they did were not able to pay rent and uh, even though because they were not able to pay rent they could not renew their lease and if they did not could not renew their lease you know they're out or they could mm. not sign a new lease because they had to pay security deposit right mm. and they don't have money to pay security deposit did you did we already, did you say how many international students are here in, in Mankato uh, we have uh, we have over 1200 over 1200 that's a significant portion of the yeah. uh, population it's like then, a 10% of the oh. uh, student population. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. And uh, we were able to convince the university to create jobs, specifically those 200 students that work um, at the dining center. Uh, that 200 job was created in the library, but they hmm. forgot that what about the other 1,000 students, mm-hmm. you know? What kind of work was created in the library? Um, they need to gather stories about the COVID cases and it's like an archive that they created. Oh. Hmm. Do you, how do you, how do you feel about the university? Um, it, it seems like they're, they're willing to work with you. Um, but is it, is it, is there a lot of pressure? You're, you're you sit, you keep saying you fight and you do all this, you know, had none of this done. Do they have a, do they they want to help? Is that is that the, the in the beginning the response was not good. We the, the door was totally shut down on us. Uh, we had sent multiple emails and all, and uh, we had to take media help uh, for our voice to be heard. And slowly we got some attention, and uh, we had to wrote we we wrote to so many senators, you know, House of Representative, Chancellor. Um, then finally we got some. Mm, uh, some platform to speak with the with the president of the university and then the, they decided that okay we will have a weekly meeting to hear this concern so that's how we are uh, working together with the university now of the people who you wrote to um like politicians uh, were were any instrumental in helping you like specific individuals yes uh, senator nick french he was very he was very much helpful um because of him, we were able to split the health insurance payment into two. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, mm. you know, the student had to, like, if they were not being able to pay, they would have faced deportation and all. So thanks to him. Uh, we wrote to the chancellor so many times, and he totally, like, ignored us. We wrote to Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, same thing. Um, we did our best to reach out to as many we could, um, but we did not get much help. But thanks to Senator Nick Friends. Uh, I would thank Tulsi Gabbard too, even though she lives in Hawaii. She did respond to us and said like she will try reaching out to Amy Klobuchar's office. Mm. You, do you feel that all the other state schools are going through the same kind of uh, housing insecurity for international students during this time, you would say? 
Yes, there were students from uh, uh, international students from all the different universities. They were going through same. But the thing is that under the Minsk system, uh, our university holds the highest number of international students. So the concern in our university was really big mm. compared to you say Saint Cloud, you know, or Moorhead. Yeah. Did the other people who reached out to you um, in, in other states, in other places like that, did they have similar programs or are, are they adopting the Remember Me Too? What, what's going on there from just what you know? Um, there, uh, some universities quickly came up with some resources for them. So we were just needed to help with a little bit of thing. Um, and uh, some like started, uh, you know, taking up like a remember me to kind of stand we took and they were also contacting other community members for help for specifically food and housing. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. Um, to, to change subject just a little bit, I'm curious about the uh, Sacred Sounds house. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Yes. Actually, uh, we have this club called Sacred Sounds Meditation Club. It's a, a university club at Minnesota State University, Mankato. Uh, but now we have, we students uh, open this center, uh, Sacred Sounds House, uh, free for the community and for the students. Um, my six years of stay in Mankato, I realized that um, students, faculty, the community members, they go through, you know, the common problem is the stress, anxiety, depression, and the fear. Uh, mm. So we, the club, we do some meditation. We invite um, motivational speakers, you know, wellness speakers, and they guide. and uh, And it became quite very famous. We holded community events, like over hundred people attending. Like uh, in the February, we hold an event called Art of Meditation overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. So mm. it was uh, very famous. It went really good. Uh, then we thought that we really need a space more open for everybody to come and utilize, uh, you know, uh, with any background. So that's how we opened the Sacred Sounds House just near campus. Easy access to mm -hmm. students. Yes. So uh, students can go visit there and do a little bit of meditation or some yoga or yes, stuff yes. like that? Yes, Students can come and use the space, you know, to study or meditate. Mm -hmm. um, Saturdays we have feast. Because of COVID-19, we keep the limit below uh, the number of students or any members coming, mm -hmm. uh, like to 10 because of COVID. But uh, they're always welcome to come and join us for the feast. Uh, we cook uh, Ayurvedic kind of food. It's a, it's a vegetarian, mostly vegan food. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And you've been running, uh, you've been organizing a lot of the Remember Me Too movement uh, with the help of that space too then? Or um, actually, uh, we came up with the space just recently. Uh, okay. We had to gather a lot of money to uh, get the space. Mm -hmm. So no, that's but uh, Sacred Sounds was uh, active also in helping the Remember Me Too movement. Um, for example, uh, Sacred Sounds also gave some funding to mm -hmm. fix uh, bicycles. So mm -hmm. from Remember Me Too, we were giving out bicycles to students because we realized that we are giving out free groceries near campus but what about the students who live down the hill or far away? Uh, the transportation is not good. So we gave out bicycles so that they can come and get free groceries. 
So the Sacred Sound Center was being used to park all the bikes, and uh, some of the funding came there to fix the bicycles. Okay, it's, it's a it's a neat um, neat thing to have in the community. I think it's yes. really nice. We actually well we visited there recently too. Thank you for, for coming <laughs> for one of your events, which was very nice, and you, you had some wonderful food thank for you. us to try. Yes, thank uh, you. I would like yeah. to say thanks to the community, actually. The com- because of the community, we were able to set up. I know mm. Jacob's, Jacob, um, they donated also. So the centers, everything came up because of the donation from the Mankato community. So thanks to them. Oh, are you talking about um, the mutual aid folks? Uh, no, like it's just like individuals. Uh, like uh, just came up and knocked the door and put stuff outside the door. Oh. Yeah, for the center. So you see mm. the curtains or tables or everything, they're all donated by the community. Wow. Yeah, because we didn't have mm. enough money. It was like an empty house. And now it's like no space to put stuff. Thanks to the community. They, 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 because of them, the center came up. Yeah, it's really, I, it's really inspirational to see like the level of organization that you've put together and the amount of work you've been able to do given the amount of adversity that you were facing. Like it. I mean, people try and organize, uh, you know, these types of food insecurity or housing insecurity all the time, and they're not dealing with that themselves. So it's 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 inspirational. I didn't even going into this conversation. I didn't even imagine the depth of the issue. So, yes. you know, Mankato is not so big, but still the problem is that the people are not aware of the situation that happens because we think that everything is going well, uh, but there's families that are still facing homelessness, families, you know, not only just international, other families that face homelessness, food insecurity and all. Um, so it is necessary for leaders like you all who has the media power and all to share resources, make people aware that, okay, there's a place for you to go and get groceries or there's a place for you to go and get some bikes or whatever. So that is important. That, me staying for six years, until last year, I was not aware of so many resources. Mm. Uh, That is the issue here. Mm. Going forward, will remember me too. I'm I'm hoping that COVID-19 won't be around forever. It how will the work change its focus? Is it just going to continue to to be about food and ho- housing insecurity in the community, or no? Our focus will, of course, like change. Now uh, there's a different need, and the need is that students are not having money to pay tuition. You know, the the need uh, might change, but uh, we will keep on working on in trying to help the students. Um, because even the situation gets better, the problems are always there. The thing is that we did not look at the problem before, and we think is that it is okay to go through this problem without asking for help. And, or we didn't know that can we really go and ask for help, or whom, to whom we should go and ask for help. But now they know that there is this group that are working towards helping them, so more requests are coming. Mm. Yeah. Well, this, the systems that were in place worked well when everything was going nicely and uh, I guess just didn't have a, a fail-safe for when things weren't going well. And, well, do you know of any other situations where the international students of a school have, like, been put in this kind of position or is this pretty unusual? No, difficulties is always there. It's just mm-hmm. like nobody go and speak up. Mm. Uh, for example, if there is a career fair, you go there, 
how many companies are coming to the university career fair mm. to give an internship opportunity to an international student or you know uh, employment opportunity uh, mm. so uh, this type of questions has not been ever raised uh, what kind of efforts the com uh, the university is putting to uh, present this international students' culture, right? So mm -hmm. there are a lot of issues. I have served as an international student association president, um, and I have seen these things, uh, but uh, it goes underground, you know, like we make a complaint and it stays like that. Uh, when I was serving as the president, uh, the international students who were working for the dining center were treated really bad. Uh, they were not allowed to sit down uh, if they are cashier, but uh, who are domestic students, they were allowed to sit. So uh, we, uh, we mm. went against that and so many changes happened. But uh, underground, you know, mm. uh, not a, like in a bigger picture. So you, you think that everything is going fine, but actually it is not. Um, you, you know, how many resources are around near or like a center, for example, we came up with a meditation center. If you look around the campus, how many centers are there? for the students to go, right? Mm -hmm. Not not many. So, uh, but uh, like nobody speak up because they think that, okay, this is not our country, you know, who's mm -hmm. going to listen to us? Uh, that's the issue here. The concern, the problems are always there, but nobody speaks up. That is the main thing. What could, um, what could be done to address these issues from the institutional standpoint better? Like how could, how could the university listen to international students better or prevent something like this from happening in the future yeah uh, in that case uh, they must uh, listen to the students concern give time to listening to students um, i would say that international center plays a very important role you know you come from a foreign country and you come to this new country you don't know where to go to to whom you go and speak to and but they go to the international center but for this many years what the center did is that they kind of showed that okay we are here to deal only with your immigration issues you come outside other things you know we don't know where to send so uh, uh, sustainability a director having in place this kind of position is very important for us mm. where they can you know connect people and help students with different questions um you know, uh, you know, if I I had ho uh, homesickness and uh, if I went to depression, uh, I did not know where to go to. If I go to the international center, I, I, I was not comfortable speaking about those issues because what they presented to me is that, okay, they are there for my immigration paperwork, like I-20 or job something, not regarding what my depression or something. So this kind of resources needs to be put in place. Uh, Diversity, you know, diversity is not doesn't mean that diversity like we are having many international students. Diversity is something like how are you trying to learn about their culture? Are you giving them enough resources to represent their culture? How are you connecting international students and domestic students to learn about each other? Uh, that is important. That is what is diversity. Uh, you ask the international some student, they might stay here for four years, but might not have uh, talked to one single domestic student. Don't even know the American culture that they were expecting to come and learn. They are learning by seeing, but not like a personal, like having a conversation. So that kind of uh, uh, resources needs to put in place. Yeah. I. 
I've seen a lot of that attitude about diversity among American institutions where they look at it like a percentage of demographics or yes. something instead of, you know, teams working together or, you know, real representation. It's like a, it's a number on a piece of paper. Yes. So, you know, you see there's a cultural nights that takes place in the university. Mm-hmm. Very less, you know, uh, domestic students attend. Mm. When I was serving as the president for international community, we developed a, a event called World's Got Talent. We named it so we can include domestic students, international students to be part of that event and take part. So to some extent, there were some connection built. Um, but still, it's lacking. Um, yeah. So it's just like a, the university, uh, you know, like, okay, education is important. You take your classes, cr- making sure that the credits, you're taking enough credits or whatever. But beyond that, they, they have a more responsibility to actually educate uh, culturally and the morally, right? Mm. We had an experience with that where we uh, did some, we helped a friend, uh, Mithla, with uh, covering Sri Lankan Cultural Night yes, at MSU. Yeah, I know him. And uh, it was, it was, I was astounded <laughs> at the event and how cool it was. But uh, there wasn't, there wasn't really any white people there. <laughs> I yes. mean, like, it, it felt like, it felt like a private party almost. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like just only the international students take advantage of the understanding American culture. Even the American students should take advantage of learning you know mm-hmm. uh, the other students culture so if they go abroad for some reason now all the companies are global they are not like letting mm-hmm. you just stay in the u.s they will make you travel and uh, i had my bachelor's in international business that was the big concern that we were talking in our classes is that when somebody from america go outside they cannot survive they mm-hmm. cannot survive because they are not adjust to a different culture but uh, like a third world country, they are so much more uh, uh, enthusiastic to learn about other cultures. So they are already aware. And when they are sent to a different country, they can really easily cope up, cope with the different culture mm-hmm. than an American student working in a different country. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to start wrapping it up or do you have more questions? Yeah, um, I'm curious as to where people can... Um, if they if they want to support the Remember Me Too movement, how they can best do that, uh, especially here in this area? Uh, yes, uh, we have our social media sites uh, like Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, TikTok. Uh, we also have our website where it directly sends uh, like shows the resources that are available for students, or if somebody is willing to help, how they can help. All these are there in our website that they can go hashtag remember me too. They can check that out. And um, yes, and I'm always there to <laughs> answer questions. I'm always on Facebook. They can shoot me a message and I'm willing to help. That's really great. Well, I, I hope we're able to continue to provide for the international students at our university. So grandly parades around. Um, yes. It, it seems like that would be important to... Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. yeah, this is important. Making people aware about it is really, really important. Thanks. It helps. Yeah. That's good. To, that's good to hear. Uh, well, it was, it was really good to have you on the podcast. Thank, thank you. you. We'll thank Jacob. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for tuning in. You can find show notes for this in every episode at triplefalls.org. dot <laughs>